Exodus chapter number 16. And when you get there, look down to verse number 1. <clears throat> Exodus chapter number 16, and look down to verse 1. When you find it, let's stand together, stretch our legs just a little bit. And we're going to read down through about verse number 4. Exodus chapter number 16. Look down to verse 1. We'll read down about verse number 4. The Bible says, And they took their journey, speaking of the children of Israel, and they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and we did eat the bread to, to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to come into your house today. And Father, thank you for the good crowd we have here today. Lord, on a cool day where we could have stayed home, thank you for those that have come. Thank you for those that are watching. Thank you for the opportunity that we can broadcast for those that are sick and can't make it today. And I pray that, Lord, whether in this building or watching from home, that, Lord, you deal with hearts today. I know your word, Lord, has been sent, and you desire to accomplish in our lives, Lord, your will today with it. Now, Lord, I pray you'd help us right now decide we're going to let you do what you desire to do. Or we may not even have any idea what you plan on doing in our hearts and our service today. But, Lord, could we go ahead and decide, Lord, have enough courage that we're going to let you work today. Lord, if there's one lost, Lord, I pray you'd show them, help them decide, Lord, if someone is shown, Lord, by the Holy Spirit they're lost today. Help them, Lord, to decide they're going to be saved. For the saved today, Father, Lord, as we seek out your will now at Central Baptist Church. I pray you'd show us, Lord, what it is now and help us go ahead and decide before we ever hear the message today. We're going to do your will now, today, in this service. Help us set aside our cares for a few moments that we might hear, receive, and respond to your word, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I read a report years ago, and I may have told you this before, but bears mentioning again, that one of the major retailers in America uh, was having a problem with disgruntled customers. Uh, I know that's none of you in here because none of you would ever lose your temper with a customer service representative, but I'm sure it's the lost world that's out there that gets mad at people for having a lack of whatever it is you're seeking out in the store. And they tried an experiment that they went to the customer service desk and they put some mirrors behind the customer service desk, behind the representative that was there. And the goal was to put those mirrors up there that when people came up and were griping and complaining and hollering about what they were out of that day in the store, that the people could see themselves and see how they were acting, and hopefully that would change their attitude and change their actions. Sure enough, I can't remember if it was Walmart or at the time years ago, Kmart. I can't remember who it was, but they found there was a dramatic decrease in confrontations and conflicts in the store. Because people were standing there and they were chewing out the poor customer service representative because they were out of Oreos or out of your favorite milk or out of your favorite whatever it is. And when the people could see how they were acting, they were so ashamed of how childish they looked that it actually changed their behavior and they actually calmed down and were just a little bit nicer to the customer service representative that's out there. Could I just throw this in here right quick? Most of the people you see working behind the counter have not a whole lot to do with the problems the store has. Let's be kind. Let's be nice. God doesn't give you an excuse to be mean, all right? Let's be nice to folks and show Christ to them through that. But I thought about that this morning. Well, first off, I thought to myself, if only they would put mirrors on the ice cream window there at Dollar General. Now, you think about it. 
I thought to myself today, they put the mirrors there so people could see themselves, and in the hopes that they saw themselves, they changed the action forwith they desired to do. And I thought, man, somebody needs to call Dollar General and get them to put mirrors on those doors in the frozen food section where the ice cream is at, that possibly I would see myself for as I really am and not buy, you know, that rocky road or the cookie dough or whatever it is that I want. I've even thought about maybe putting some mirrors up here while I'm preaching. That way you could see exactly how you look, and maybe you'd smile every once in a while while I'm preaching. I mean, look, it hurts my feelings when you're propped up on your arm and you're drooling because you're asleep. It hurts my feelings when I see you checking the score on the game, and I can tell you whether or not your team is winning by your countenance, all right? Your face shows whether or not your team is winning. Thank God the Super Bowl is not at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, or half of us wouldn't be here, and the other half wouldn't be tuning in. If we could just see ourselves sometimes, we'd change who we are. We'd change how we act, and we'd change what we do. Well, here's the good news. Each time we open up the Scripture, the Word of God, it's God's desire that we look into the mirror of his word and we see ourselves. That's why God went through all of the trouble to have his will and his word written down that we so many years later would have a mirror that we could look in and we could see ourselves for how God sees us and make the changes that we need to make in our lifestyle. The Word of God is an unbiased mirror that allows us to change if we just have the courage to look inside of it. But therein lies the problem, doesn't it? Why do you think the devil tries to keep you from reading your Bible? Why do you think we give out those beautiful calendars about how we can read through the Word of God? It's not so we can say that we did it. It's so that we can look into the mirror, see who God says we are, and make the changes we need to make so that we can please Him and reach this world. But often the problem is this. I heard someone say this one time. By the time a man realizes his father was right, he usually has a son that thinks he is wrong. Think about it. By the time we get to the place to look into the mirror and see that our father was right, usually by now we have a son who already thinks we're wrong. Why? Because it takes us a long time to come to the place where we're willing to look into the mirror. And that's why there's no change in our life. And yet for those who have the courage this morning to open the word of God and look inside, we are going to have the opportunity to be changed. Aren't you glad? I don't know about you. There's change that needs to take place in my life today. All right? I got off a little bit between last Sunday and this Sunday. You may be a better Christian than I am, but man, I have to be realigned every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night because man, my alignment gets off riding up and down the roads of this life. I need to be changed today. But we've got to look into the word of God and let God show us who we really are. Now, as often as the case, we're looking at the children of Israel. What's amazing is as we look at these people, this was written over 3,000 years ago, we can see a clear picture of ourselves and make the changes. Now, unfortunately, as is the case, the children of Israel are usually an example of what not to be. All right? They're an example of what not to be. Look down, if you will, chapter 16, verse 1. Here they are, God's led them out. Verse 1, they've come to the wilderness. He's brought them out. Verse 2, the Bible says they haven't been gone very long. They're in the second month, and they're already murmuring against God, already complaining. After all that God has done, they still haven't gotten on board with what God desires to do. Now, here's something quite ironic I want you to notice today. If you look closely in verse 1, the Bible says the children of Israel came into the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Now listen closely to this. On the 15th day of the second month. On the 15th day of the second month. Now, if you go back, I believe, chapter 12 of Exodus, you'll find God reinstituted their calendar. God says, this is going to be the first month, starting with your exodus out of Egypt. And here they are a month and a half into what God desires to do, and they still haven't gotten on board yet. You see where we're going with this? By the way, what month is it? It's February, and February is the second month, and here we are almost smack dab in the middle of the second month, and here's what I'm wondering this morning. 
I wonder how many of us have already seen God work this year. We have already felt God lead this year. We have already heard God speak this year. And yet in the middle of the second month, we still haven't made up our mind to get on board with what God desires to do. I don't know about you. When I read that verse, I saw myself clearly. Why? Because God has shown me my now. God shows me what he desires in my life. God has made clear his plans for my life. God has shown me my now. But still there are things I'm hesitant about doing. How about you? Now, folks, we need to learn from the word of God this morning and thank God that he's merciful and gives us chance after chance after chance. That's what God's about to do with this manna. Look down, if you would, to verse number 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven. I want to be honest with you today. If I was God, I'd have nuked them right there. I brought you out of Egypt. I parted the red. I've done all of these things for you, and you're still not on board. If I was God, gone. I'm starting all over. And yet, even in their murmuring, God says, I'm going to try again. Verse 4. Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. He says that I may prove them. God says, I'm going to show them. I'm trying to convince them to get on board. You see, God's about to give them some certainty. God says, I'm fixing to make myself known with certainty that I may prove them that they'll get on board with what I'm trying to do. Here's the truth this morning. The same certainty that God gave them is the same certainty we need now. If you're going to move forward and ask what's your now and find your now and fulfill God's will right now in your life, the only way you're going to move forward is with some certainty. And this morning, we're going to look at the subject of understanding the certainty of now. Understanding the certainty. The first week, we looked at the opportunity of now. Last week, we looked at understanding the urgency of now, and now we're going to find some certainty that God wants us to have, and there's three truths that God used in giving the manna that will help us here today. So notice verse 3. What are they crying for? The children of Israel said, would to God we had died in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and we did eat bread to the full. They says, we need some bread. And God shows up in verse number four, and God says, I'm going to give you bread. Now, here's something amazing I want you to see today. Here they are in the middle of the wilderness, and God's providing them bread. Matthew Henry spoke about this real interesting subject. He says they probably had enough supplies and enough bread to last them up until now, but when all the supplies for making their own bread had run out, that's when they started to complain. And yet in the, mil in the middle of the wilderness, God supplied exactly what they needed, when they needed it, where they needed it. Now, here's something important that's going to help you have some certainty today. Number one, I want you to notice the first certainty is the certainty that God has provided for our place. Stick with me. God has provided for our place. Now, you say, what are you getting at here this morning? Well, oftentimes, the reason we're resistant to the will of God is we go to God and we say, God, but you don't know where I'm at in my life. God, you don't know what I'm going through. God, you don't know what holds me back. God, you don't know what I can't get over in my life. And God wants you to know that no matter where you're at and what place you are in your life, God can provide what you need to get from where you're at to where he desires you to go. Now, I don't know about you, but that encourages my heart this morning. Have you ever been in a wilderness? Have you ever been in a wilderness maybe of doubt or uncertainty or of fear? Maybe a wilderness of hurt this morning and you're thinking there's no way I'll ever get to the place that God wants me to go. God wants you to know, listen, there is certainty that God can provide what you need exactly where you're at this morning. You know, there's not a person here today who showed up that's out of the reach of God's grace. I want you to think about that. There's not a person in this room this morning who showed up that the grace of God is too far for him to reach you. God can help you get from where you're at to where you need to be, but it's only going to be through him. And therein lies our problem this morning. Oftentimes we hesitate and we quit on God because we think there's no way we can get from where we're at to where we needed to go, and yet God provided what they needed exactly where they were. God, I beg you something this morning. 
Please don't try to scare God on why you can't be and why you can't do and why you can't have. God knows the wilderness you're in this morning. And God says you can pursue your now with certainty because regardless of the wilderness you're walking through this morning, the grace of God is sufficient to get you from where you're at to where you need to be. All right? Oftentimes I believe that's just an excuse. Oftentimes we delay our obedience. Why? Because we want to debate the details with God. Is that why oftentimes we're disobedient? Well, God, I know what you said. I believe this morning. There's many of us in this room today. We know what our now is. We know what it is. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God's made it clear. I didn't have to tell you what it was. That Holy Spirit of God that speaks in that still, small voice has made clear what the will of God for your life is right now. He's already made it clear. And yet we're debating the details with God. Well, God, I don't have this, and God, I need this, and God, what about that? God says, look, it doesn't matter where you're at this morning. I can get you from where you're at to where you need to be, but you've got to trust me. What did he say in verse number four? Verse four, that I may prove them, that I may prove them. Oh, it's the desire of our heavenly father this morning that you would prove him. If he's made clear what your now is, if he showed you what your will, his will is for your life today, he wants you to prove him. And we're sitting here telling God, but God, what about the, the wilderness? God, what about the trouble? God, what about the trial? What about the mountain that I've had overcome in order to get where you're calling me to be? God says it doesn't matter. If I could meet with those people in the middle of their wilderness and provide what they needed, I'll provide what you need too. There's no reason to doubt him this morning. Why? Because we have a God that can provide for whatever place you're at. God can meet you where you are. Oftentimes, I've told you before, people try to scare me when I'm witnessing to them and tell me all the bad stuff they've ever done. And I have met a few bad people in this room. No, I have met a few bad people in my life, and they've done some rough things. They've been in some distant wildernesses. But oh, what a privilege it was to share with them that the God who brought the manna to the wilderness of his people and provided what they needed is the same God that can provide what they needed to get where he's drawing them to, and that's to be saved. You need to have some certainty this morning that God will provide for the place that you're at. Moses, what did he go to God? God says, Moses, I want you to be the deliverer. We know the story well. He knew what, but he wanted clarity on the how. God, I know what you want me to do. God, he knew what his now was. God spelled it out. God says, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to lead our people out. And he says, okay, I understand the what, but I'm not quite clear on the how. Don't argue with God on the details, all right? The same God that used Moses is the same God that wants to use you and I. Let God figure out the how. Thank God for that. We just got to be obedient with the what. I was reading in Acts 9 this morning about Ananias. Ananias was the preacher who God says, you remember Saul on the road to Damascus? Remember Saul? Well, I want you to go and anoint his eyes. He's blind. You see, he had a run in with Christ and he's blind and he can't see. I want you to go touch his eyes so that he could see. What did Ananias say? Are you sure? Whoa now. Whoa now. That's the Christian killer. All right, God, I know who you want me to go to, but I think Ananias was trying to figure out the why. Why do you want me to go to him, God? God, hey, can we negotiate this thing? Look, I'll go to anybody. I'll go to my mother-in-law. Hey, I'll go to the mayor. I'll go to anybody. But please don't make me go to Saul. God says, don't worry. I got that figured out. I got that taken care of. Now, folks, can I just encourage you this morning? If God has made your now clear for your life, listen, there's certainty that God's going to provide what is needed at the place that you're at. Don't hesitate. There's too many of us this morning, like the children of Israel, we're quitting on God. We're giving up. I'm in this wilderness, and we're crying the blues about all that's going wrong, and God's looking down going, really? Really? I brought you through the Red Sea? I drowned Pharaoh's armies. Did you not see all of the plagues? God says, I did all of that, and you're doubting me? No, listen to me this morning. We have no reason to doubt God. God can provide what we need at the place that we're at. So don't look at God this morning and tell him why you can't. Is that not what they're doing? It had been better. What did they say? Look down. Verse 3, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. 
would to God we'd have died in Egypt. God, we just can't do it. God, I know what you said. God, I know what you want. God, I know how you're leading. But God, we just can't. There's no reason for a child of God to say why we can't do what God's called us to do this morning because we can be certain we have a God that can provide at the place that we're at. Folks, I want to encourage you today. I really do. Oftentimes in our life, we get to the places where we're so doubtful, we're so fearful, or maybe even we're so hurt, and we feel like, I can't, God. I can't. I know what you want, and I know what you said, and I know what you're leading me to do, but God, I just can't. I wonder how it must insult our father when all that he's already done, when he thinks that we looks down and sees us saying, we, God, I, I don't think you can overcome this. No, God can meet you where you are. You might be in a wilderness this morning. God can meet you where you are. Do you remember when, when we had little kids? I still have a kid, but she's not little anymore. And they would stand up on the counter, probably not advised today in the politically correct world we live in, but you put them up on the kitchen counter, or maybe they're up on the bed, and you tell them to jump to you. Remember that? Or maybe y'all didn't do that. All right, come on. Wake up. Mirror. Mirror. That's what I'm seeing right now. Stick with me, all right? And you're like, come on, jump to daddy, jump to daddy. And they're like, oh, 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 oh. I'm like, look, it's only an 18-inch bed. I mean, you're just right there. It's not that far off the ground. Oh, I'm not just sure. And you're like, come on. I'm your dad. I got you. I love you. I'm going to catch you. I'm not going to let you fall. And they're just like, oh, I'd rather jump to mommy. <laughs> that never happened to y'all? Okay, scratch that, scratch that. Never happened to me either. I heard it somebody else. And boy, it hurts, doesn't it? Are you going to drop them? No. Would you do anything in the world to catch them? Yeah. And yet it kind of hurts you a little bit. that They think you can't do it. And God says, here's your now. I showed you what it is. I pointed it out. I made it clear. You know what your now is. And you're like, God, I'm just not sure. God, I don't know if I can make it all the way. Could you just look at verse number four and realize that we have a God that can provide at whatever place you're at? Now, why is this important? Listen closely. The manna was God's answer to their excuse. The manna was God's answer to their excuse. God, we want to go back. Why? We don't have bread. God says, boom, there's bread. God used the manna to answer the excuse they had for not doing what God was leading them to do. Now, hear me out. This is an example to us today. Because we offer up excuses to God why we can't find and fulfill our now that God has made clear. And we offer up excuses. Well, I just can't because of this. God goes, boom, there's your answer. I'm thankful this morning that I have a God that can answer any excuse I have for not serving him. There's no excuse valid this morning that you can offer God on why you're not doing what God calls you to do. No excuse for it. Why? Because God has an answer for that. Most of them, by the way, are inside of this book. He's preserved them for us. Reader's Digest wrote this uh, article once about some of the more outlandish excuses people have used for not going to work. Take out your pencil. You may need to write these down. Number one, I dreamed I was fired. So didn't get out of bed. All right, those of you who laughed the loudest have used it, okay? Number two, I was up all night arguing with God. That's you spiritual people. I was just meeting with God last night in my bedroom. It was me and God and all this. And that's when your boss says, well, I hope God's going to write your paycheck because you didn't show up for work today. Number three, boy, this one got me. A raccoon stole my work shoe off my porch. Hey, this is South Mississippi. That could have happened. I go with that one. That could have happened, okay? Number four, I was thinking and accidentally went to my old job. I don't know if that one would fly with me. Here's my favorite one here. Some of you probably used this one. Laugh if you did. I didn't have gas, money for gas because all the pawn shops were closed. <laughs> yeah, we know that one well. Those are some really good excuses. And you may have a good excuse on why you're not going to work now, but there's no excuse good enough for why you're not doing the will of God now. Because we serve a God that has provided for every place that we need to be and where we need to go and who he's called us to be. There's never an excuse to doubt what God is leading us to do. 
Look at verse 4 at the bottom. God says, I'm going to give them bread. Why? The very bottom, that I may prove them. That I may prove them. You see, God provided what they needed to prove that he could provide what they needed and that they should trust in him. God says, I I want them to know I'll provide what they need, where they need, and when they need it. You think about it. What did they need? They needed bread. Now, I don't know what you need this morning, but God does. You say, look, I know what my now is, but between me and my now, there's a need. Hey, I understand that. I have needs in my life from time to time as well. Here's the good news. God can provide the need for our now if we'll just trust him. He says, have I not proven God has proven to us too many times. You say, well, you don't understand where I'm at. I don't, but God does. God does. One of the things that sometimes gets brought up in times where you're meeting with families and kids and folks that are hurting is you don't know where I'm at and you don't know how I feel and you don't understand what I'm going through. Oftentimes they are right. I don't, but God does. And he knew that when he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Do you know what he's saying? There's no excuse for quitting on God. He's telling the children of Israel, there's no excuse for quitting. I just proved to you, I can give you what you need, where you're at, when you need it. There's no need to go back to Egypt. Keep moving forward to what I'm calling you to. Why? There's nothing this morning that can hold you back from that. That'll encourage your heart today. And yet sometimes we get more comfortable in our excuses, don't we? You know, back in the 90s when I was a teenager, there was a phrase that was used a lot, been there, done that. I think it was a 90s phrase. Maybe it was some of you guys in the 70s phrase, and we just borrowed it. I'm not sure. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt, right? Some of you still got the T-shirt, even though your wife wants you to throw it away. Yeah, I know how that is too. Do you know why Christ can say that there's no temptation going to take you, but that which is common to man, and that God's going to provide a way in the midst of your temptation? What are you tempted to do? Quit. That's what you're tempted to do. You get into the wilderness, you're tempted to doubt. You're tempted to quit. You're tempted to go back to what you know and what is comfortable. That's the temptation. The Bible says there's no temptation taking you that can overtake you. Why? He says, I'll provide a way of escape that you can bear it in the midst of the temptation. Now, why can he say that? Here's why. Hebrews 4.15, the Bible says, he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Here's what it's saying. There's no temptation you're going to go through that Christ hasn't confronted and defeated. That means it can't defeat you because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hey, let's just keep moving. God's called us forward. God has a now for us right now. And all of those temptations to quit and go back on God, they can't unless we let them. What is your now? God wants you to keep moving forward to it. He says, well, I'm in a wilderness. Maybe you're in a wilderness of doubt. God says, trust me. Maybe you're in a wilderness this morning of uncertainty. God says, just have some faith. Maybe you're in a wilderness this morning of hurt. God says, I can give you, I can give you victory where you're at. Whatever wilderness you're in this morning, God says, I can give you what you need, where you need it, when you need it, but you got to trust me. None of us have an excuse to quit on God this morning. None of us. None of us. Why? Because God wants to give us what we need where we're at. Instead of murmuring about your problems, why don't you be mindful of God's promises? Look what they did. Verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured. You know what murmuring is? It's doubting God. Murmuring's doubting God. What did God say? I'm going to lead you to a promised land. Case closed. And yet they stopped and murmured. They're doubting God. Instead of murmuring about our problems, why don't we be mindful of God's promises? There's a whole book of them this morning that shows us we serve Jehovah Jireh. You know what that means? God that provides. I don't know what your need is this morning. I don't know what kind of wilderness you're in this morning, but God can provide what you need, where you're at, when you need it. Just trust him and move on. 
Number one, the certainty we have is that God will provide what we need where we're at, that God provides for our place. But then keep reading. Oftentimes when we know that God's going to provide it, we think, okay, I'm going to wait on it. Well, notice verse 4 again. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Man, that excites some of you today. That's going to be your life's verse right there. God gives bread. (laughs) Some of you will get that when you get home. And the people shall go out and, watch the very next word. You got to see this, okay? Gather a certain rate every day. So there's no need to hesitate for your now. There's no need to hesitate. Hey, just keep moving toward the promises where God's leading you. Just keep moving forward in that. Why? Because God's going to provide what you need, where you need it, when you need it. doesn't matter what it is. God knows, and God's going to provide that. But notice, God shows them what he will do, but then tells them what they've got to do. Verse number 4 says that you're going to gather it. Look down to verse number 16. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Here's our word again. Watch it gather of it. Now there's certainty in knowing that God's going to provide what you need at whatever place you're at. No, doesn't matter what wilderness you're at. Do not hold your wilderness up to God and say, my wilderness is so great you can't overcome it. God says, really? Really? The wilderness of you being lost and separated from God, I sent my son and through the grace of God, I span that wilderness. Whatever wilderness you're going through this morning, God says, I can handle that and I'll provide what you needed. But then there's something important. It's the second certainty you've got to have today. Number two, notice the certainty that we must gather what God has given. We must gather what God has given. Now, God knew what they needed. God provided what they needed. But listen closely. They had to decide to claim it. They had to decide they were going to claim it. Now, it's great to know that God's going to provide what we need, where we need, when it, when we need it. There's no wilderness greater than the grace of God. I'm thankful for that. So God's going to make sure I have what I need to fulfill God's will in my life. He's going to give me what I need to fulfill my now. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to have to work for it. He says, I want twice, I want you to go out and gather it. Interesting stat this morning. The National Association of Unclaimed Property says there's $49 billion in unclaimed assets in in the United States of America. $49 billion in unclaimed assets in America. And we're all sitting back And we're all thinking the same thing right now. Yeah, but none of it's mine. Correct? Or else you'd have your phone out right now trying to figure out, hey, do I get some of that stuff that's out there? Maybe cars or land or money or uh, some kind of publisher's clearinghouse, something that you won that you didn't realize you won. But everyone assumes it's not going to work for them. I'll bet you or wager. Christians wager, they don't bet. Okay, so I'll wager you today. The majority of you will not go home and get on the website of the National Association of Unclaimed Property to see if there's anything in your name. I'll wager this morning most of you will not do that. Why? Because you're already thinking that really doesn't apply to me. And yet that's what we do with the promises of God. We've heard about grace. We've heard about victory. We've heard about power. We've heard about all the things. We've heard about it all of our life. We live with the Bible Belt. We've come to this church our whole life. We've heard about it, but for some reason, we don't think it applies to us. It does apply to us, but you've got to decide that you want to claim what God says you can have to get where God wants you to go. I mean, you've got to work for it every once in a while, right? Turn with me to your ride, 2 Peter chapter 1. I want you to see something today. 2 Peter chapter 1. We know this passage well, but I want you to look at it in context of the passage in Exodus 16. Second Peter chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, verse 2, be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now watch verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to the glory and virtue. Stop right there. What the Bible says God 
has done for us. Verse 3. He's given unto us some of the things that pertain unto life and godliness. Is that what it says? Not in my Bible. My Bible says all things. The Bible says that God, through his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of faith that have called us to glory and virtue. What is it saying here? It says that we have a God that's provided everything we need to have, everything we need to know about life and godliness. Didn't say some, it said all, but keep reading. The Bible says, whereby are given unto us. There's that word given. You know what given means? It means provided. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these you might be partakers. Stop right there. What is a partaker? That's what we're all going to do in about 30 minutes when I get done, okay? We're going to go find a table somewhere. We're going to find a pile of calories somewhere. And we're going to partake of them. We're going to consume them. We're going to have a part in them. The Bible says that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then watch verse 5. Beside this, getting all diligence, add to your faith virtue. God says, look, I've secured virtue for you. You can be virtuous. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the odds say. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what's popular on television. The Bible says, because of what I've done for you, I've provided virtue for you. Do you ever need any more virtue? I don't know about you, but I do. Keep reading. The Bible says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue Knowledge and to knowledge temperance. Oh, my soul. There's a big stop sign right there in my Bible. I don't know about you. And to knowledge temperance. You know what temperance is? Temperance is self-control. Do you ever have trouble controlling yourself? Yeah. Do you know why I have trouble controlling myself? Because there's other humans in the world. Yeah. You know. I've said this many times, and I say it jokingly, but it's kind of serious. Ministry would be so much easier if people weren't involved. It would, you know. We should have a ministry just to dogs. They never talk back. Most of the time, they do what they're told. And when you get on to them, they put their head down rather than bow up at you, you know. I wish you could just have a ministry to dogs, but no, we have to minister to people. And sometimes in the course of life, interacting with other people, all of a sudden, ooh, your blood begins to boil. And then your top begins to blow. And you lose control. The Bible says that God has secured for us temperance. I can control this stuff through the power of God. By the way, that's the only way you can control this stuff. Through the power of God. He says, hey, I've secured temperance. Watch this. It's kind of like the manna. God says, I've rained down virtue and knowledge and temperance. God says, you can't. Don't tell me, well, I just can't fulfill my now because this stuff, I just can't control it. You're calling God a liar. Because God secured temperance for us. There's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. He overcame it, and he gives us the keys to victory. And if you don't have victory today, it's because you don't want it. The manna's there. God has provided it. Keep reading quickly. And a temperance patience. I know none of us need that one. None of us. We'll just skip that. We could even scratch that one out of our Bibles. We don't need patience. And the patience, godliness. And the godliness, brotherly kindness. And the brotherly kindness, charity. Look at all the manna. Look at all the manna. God says you can have all that. I provided all of that. God says you want patience? I can give it to you. Now look, he's got a tough case in me. All right, I need a double or triple dose of it. Some of it's because of you, all right? I need a lot of it. God, give me another spoonful of it. But God says, hey, I'm going to give you what you need, when you need it, where you need it. But watch this. All of that does no good if you don't gather it. God's provided it. There is power for you this morning. Temperance, self-control over this stuff right here. Yes, you can keep your mouth shut when you need to keep it shut. Uh, some of you are like, all right, close the Bible, we're out of here. That's not possible because he doesn't know my wife or husband. Men like to talk too. Don't call God a liar. Don't call God a liar. 
He's provided. He says, I'll give you temperance. I'll give you patience. One day, you're going to see me behind a slow person in the fast lane, and I'm going to have a smile on my face. Why? Because God's given us the manna of patience, and I'm going to gather me some up. If he says I can have it, I want to have it. I want to be more of a witness through my patience. That's why you ought to get it, by the way. You ought to be a witness through your temperance. God says, I've provided it. What did it say? Verse 4, it's given unto us precious promises, brotherly kindness and charity. Keep reading. You look all the way down. The Bible says, wherefore, verse 10, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. You shall never fall. He said, I've given you what you need to keep moving, to keep going. You don't have to fall. I've provided what you need. George Mueller, we may know the story of him very well, the Ashley Down Orphanage Director in Bristol, England. One of the favorite stories I remember hearing as a kid growing up in church is he had over 300 kids in his orphanage. That's a lot of mouths to feed, especially if there were teenage guys in there. That's like 600 kids, you know, if there were teenagers. 300 kids to feed, true story. The food was not there. The money was not there. He told the, the, the housekeepers, take the children, set them at the table. And they set them at the table. He sat down at the head of the table and he prayed for the food that was not there. He says, Lord, bless what you've provided to the nurture of our bodies and help us honor and glorify you with it. As soon as he finished praying, true story, there was a knock at the door. It was the man who, who pulled the milk cart. He says, Mr. Mueller, my milk cart has broken. The axle's broken, the wheel's broken. He says, all of this milk is going to spoil if I don't find somewhere to take it and someone who needs it. He says, I have barrels of it. Could you use some milk? I'm sure Mr. Mueller says, well, I think we'll probably find something to do with it. I bet he was overjoyed. Why? Because God provided a few minutes later, there was another knock at the door. It was the community baker. He says, at 2 o'clock this morning during the night, the Lord woke me up and burdened my heart to make three batches of bread. So I got up, and I made three batches of bread. I don't know if you need it. I just did what God said, and I'm bringing you these three batches of bread. I hope that you can find something to do with it. You know what George Mueller found out? That God will provide for your place. 300 mouths to feed? Are you kidding, God? Here I am, surrender my life, got all these kids, and they're hungry, and, and they're getting angry. They're going to revolt on me. God says, I can provide whatever place you're at. Don't worry. But do you know if George Mueller had gone hungry, it was his fault because God had provided it. Whether or not he chose to eat it, it was up to him. You can live this life without temperance, virtue, charity, brotherly kindness, patience. You can live your life without it, but it's not because God hadn't provided it. You serve a God who can provide what you need, where you need it, when you need it, but sooner or later, you've got to gather it. You've got to say, okay, I want some of that. Heard about it all of our life, but I fear a lot of us haven't gathered it. That's why David said Psalms 37, 25, and I'll hurry. I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. What does that mean? How sad would it be for the children of Almighty God to walk around without joy and temperance, man? Our God is so great, and yet he can't help us overcome this flesh. That doesn't sound like a great God to me. That our God can't help us be patient or brotherly kindness. Hey, God can do all of that, but sooner or later, you got to decide, okay, I want that. I'm tired of hearing about it. I want it for myself. Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, said this, our heavenly father is very experienced. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, and he'll sustain us here now. But you've got to be serious about gathering what God's provided. So the second certainty, we've got to gather. We've got to be willing to go. We've got to be willing to get it. Here's the sad thing. I'm going to give you the last point before we go today. Too often we'd rather murmur than make it. Too often, we'd rather murmur than make it. We're living in a victim 
full society. We all have things that have gone wrong in our life. We all have troubles. We all have trials. I'm raising my hand. Me too. All right? I've gone through things. I've had hurts. I've been betrayed. I've been stabbed in the back. I've been talked about. I've had things that just made me feel bad too in my life. That God says, I can give you what you need where you're at when you need it, but you've got to gather it. And yet we, like the children of Israel, sometimes we're content to be a murmurer, somebody who doubts God rather than choosing to make it. The 10 spies who came back from the promised land, you know what they would rather do? They would rather murmur than make it. Joshua and Caleb says, hey, there's the promised land. There's our now. That's God's will. Let's go get it. And the other 10 guys said, oh, man, there's giants over there. But Joshua and Caleb says, God says he'll give us what we need, where we need, when we need it. What are we worried about? But there's big giants over there. They would rather murmur than make it. Can I beg you to do something today? Why don't you decide I'm going to stop murmuring about what's wrong. And I'm going to to decide through the victory and power of God, through the fulfilling of his grace in my life, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Why? Because God says I could. Number two, certainty. We must gather what God has given. And finally, here comes the hard part. The last certainty is to encourage us but challenge us just a little bit. It's good to know God's going to provide what we need when we need it. It's good to know that if I'm willing, I can have what God says I can have. But there's a danger involved in here I want you to see real quickly. We've heard of the law of supply and demand, right? When there is a low supply, there is a great demand. Man, we're going to go after it, all right? Kind of flip it over on its head a little bit. But hear me out. We know when there's a low supply on something, man, people are going to be going after it. I got to get that last whatever it is. When I was a kid, it was the Tickle Me Elmo. You remember that? Some of you people were going nuts over this dancing red doll, you know, on the, on the table around Christmas time. And there's just a few of them left. People stormed the stores, and man, they're fighting in the parking lots over this Tickle Me Elmo doll. It was kind of creepy to me, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of kids scarred today because of that weird toy back in the 90s, okay? There was a low supply, and so, man, people demanded. They went after it. They wanted it. But watch this. When we know that God's going to supply it, and we know that God can provide it. Oftentimes we say, okay, now that I know it's available, I'll go get it when I'm ready. I'll go get it when I'm ready. Stick with me. Look down at verse 19. He gives them a warning real quickly. Exodus 16, verse 19. For those who thought they would wait, he says this, and the angel of God, which went down before the camp of Israel, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse. That's chapter 15. Like, that doesn't make sense. Look down at verse 19. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Let no man leave of it till the morning. What did he say? He says, you better get while the getting's good. While the manna's there and while the manna's within reach, you better go get it. You better get what God's provided while it's there. Why? Keep reading. Verse 20, notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses. They said, man, that preacher has preached too long already. I'll go get it later. But some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. Number three, the last certainty I want to give you should be a challenge to you today. The last certainty is the real risk is waiting. The real risk is waiting Deciding, you know what, I I know there's temperance there. I know there's patience there. I know salvation's there. I don't know what it is that God wants you to have, but he has shown you, and you know what it is. And you say, you know what, I'm going to do it later. Moses said, verse 19, let no man leave of it till morning. God says, I want you to understand there's a risk in waiting There's a risk in waiting. What's amazing is Satan often uses risk to keep us from doing the will of God. Our young people, boy, if you stand up and do what's right and vocalize what's supposed to be done right, man, you're risking whether or not you're going to be an outcast. Risk versus reward. He does the same thing to us adults, doesn't he? Risk versus reward. And he uses risk against us. Man, look, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. God says, I want you to know the risk of what happens if you don't do what you know you're supposed to do. You look all the way down, speaking of the Sabbath in verse 25, there's some very sad words. And Moses says, eat that today. You know what today means? Now. 
For today, or now, is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today, now, ye shall not find it in the field. He says, some of you are going to wait too late. You're going to say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll go get it later tonight. I'll go get it in the morning. Look, if God's provided it, I'll just go get it when I'm ready. God says, I want you to know there's a timetable here. The will of God, the known now that God has made clear in your life, there's time involved. Yes, God's provided it, but it's good while it's there, and there's no guarantee that it's going to be there tomorrow. I was reading this morning in Luke 12. Couldn't help but think about the rich man. The Bible says he had done well financially. His crops had brought in a lot. He says, I'm going to take my barns and tear down my barns and build bigger barns. This is what I am going to do, future I'm going to do this. Hey, this is what I'm going to do. But the Bible says in verse 20 of Luke 12, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Can I tell you this morning, the greatest risk to you, your testimony, your home, and your family in this church, in this country, The greatest risk is us waiting on doing what we know God has already said to do. Well, if I surrender my life to Christ or or if I turn to Christ and trust him as Savior, then it's going to risk all of my friends, it's going to risk all of that. Oh, no, no, no. The greatest risk is waiting to do what God has made clear to you. Why? Because you're going to get to a verse 25 one day when you shall not find it in the field. That joy is always going to be there. That peace, contentment, salvation, temperance, patience, it's always going to be there. No, it's not always going to be there. You're going to wake up one day and the field's going to be empty and you missed out on the will of God for your life because you thought you had time. There's folks that are going to drop dead today who had no clue this was their last day on earth. Many of those are going to be lost who heard the clear, simple plan of salvation at least one time in their life, and they says, I'll do it later because the risk is too great to do it now. I don't want to risk my lifestyle, my friends, and my family. And all the greatest risk was waiting because they waited too long and they missed out on salvation through Christ. Can I beg you this morning? Don't wait. If you know what God's will is for your life right now, don't wait. Don't wait. Do you know why you shouldn't wait? Because you can be certain we have a God that will provide for the place that you're at. You can be certain. You can be certain that if you'll gather what God has given, you can have what he's provided. But you can also be certain this morning the real risk is waiting. I wonder this morning, what are you going to miss? What are you going to miss? Some of those guys sit back in their tent. They didn't have TV, so they you know, weren't watching TV, but they were doing something, maybe playing cards or something. We'll go get the manna later. We're too busy right now. We'll go get what God provided later. We're too busy right now. And they open up their curtain. They walk out, and they find that worms are all in the manna, and they're missing out on what God's provided. What are you going to miss? Number one, are you going to miss salvation this morning? If you tell God no today, could you tell him no for the last time? No, I know you've provided salvation through Christ, but you know what? I'm not worried about gathering that right now. Are you going to tell God no for the last time today? Could it be? Absolutely. If you're saved, are you going to tell God no this morning for whatever it is that's keeping you from what God's called you to? You might be telling him no for the last time, and the next time you go back and look, your home is riddled with worms. Your testimony is riddled with worms. You waited too late to get what God said you could have. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together.